Hey, Paradise people! Welcome to the Protecting Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Bella Rooney. Today, we're going to be discussing our problematic fail cat situation here in the Cayman Islands. There is no one better to chat to about this difficult subject than DOE's Terrestrial Resources Unit Director and a fellow cat lover, Brett Burton. So let's dive in. Hey! (laughs) Hello! (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking to you about uh, this, I say thrilled, but really it's actually quite a sad issue. (laughs) So. (laughs) Well, thanks for uh, agreeing to... Allow me to express my thoughts on, yes, it is actually a very sad issue, but it's a very real one. That's one we need to get to grips with here in Cayman, as in many parts of the world. Yeah, so just give us a, a little overview of what the actual situation is, just for people that, because I know a few people aren't actually aware of it that I've talked to. So we're talking about feral cats. It's one of the world's most problematic invasive species, and yet cats are also one of the world's most popular domestic pets and so inevitably it's a, it's a controversial and emotional subject when you start talking about these animals in the wild but cats in the wild are remarkably efficient killing machines I mean you've probably seen it I think most people have seen it so the, the one that sticks in my mind is a, is a neighbour's cat in the middle of my backyard on a calm day when the swallows were swooping down low over the, over the grass and this cat just suddenly launching itself into the air and snatching all these birds out of the sky. And I thought, that is impressive. <laughs> They're pretty you natural, know, natural the, ninjas. <laughs> the coordination, the, the precision. These animals are very, very, very effective predators. And the trouble is that they are not native in this part of the world at all. So we have this huge suite of unique Caymanian animals, which evolved here in an environment where there was nothing like that to worry about. Just nothing like it. So they have no instinctive fear of these creatures. They don't know that cats are dangerous. They don't even know what cats are. The trouble is when you put an animal in a situation like that, even if the animal can learn, usually the potential learning experience is fatal, so the learning never really goes anywhere. Um, so yeah, we have we have species here which are which are special to the Cayman Islands. Some of them are unique to the Cayman Islands. Others are really iconic species that people love that are all going downhill because of predation by feral cats that have established in the wild, deep, deep, deep in the interior, um, everywhere on all three islands in huge numbers, just basically mopping up these. These, these wild animals and causing carnage quietly, yeah. out of sight, out of everybody's mind. Out of sight, it's, out of a, mind. it's a huge silent tragedy going on in the field there. Yeah, and how long? When do you think that this all started and began? Because it, it's crept. Has it crept up slowly? Has it kind of come out of the blue? Or I think what's what something I find really interesting is there's nobody alive in Cayman today who has seen what this island was like before feral cats took over the landscape because these these islands have only been populated by humans for about the last what 300 years or so um and almost certainly the very first settlers here would have brought cats and almost certainly those cats would not have been fixed because people didn't do that kind of thing back Back in those days 
So those cats would have bred and some of those kittens would have gone in the wild, they just started to breed in the wild. And that whole thing would have got going really, 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 really early on. And from that moment on, the blue iguana population started to decline, the seabird population started to decline, everything started to go downhill, right? Yeah. Um, and it's been that way ever since. So which, um, these species that are treasured and, you know, that are close to which, 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 what are they? I know we have our blue iguanas that obviously are very impacted by invasives. What other species are like that are really targeted by the cats, especially on, I guess, Little, where the biggest problem is? Well, Little, Little has a problem for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, I wouldn't say it's any worse there than it is here on ground or even on the brack. Okay. But um, the thing about Little Care Man is it's a situation where maybe we can actually do something about it. Right, So that's why the focus is on Little Care Man. But let's get back to the the animals that we're talking about. So on the brack and on Little Care Man, there Mm -hmm. are nesting boobies. There's Mm -hmm. the brown boobies on Cayman Brack. Mm -hmm. And if you go to the east end of the brack by the lighthouse there, you'll see these beautiful birds just cruising on the thermals mm-hmm. around the cliffs. It's part of the whole atmosphere of the east end of the brack. And the brackers and the people who visit the brack love those boobies. They nest on the ground. Mm. Right, that's not a very good defence mechanism. But it used to be fine. <laughs> it used to be fine, It I used guess. to be fine. So there's the old lighthouse trail that yeah. runs from Spot Bay. You go up the, up the cliffs on the steps from Spot Bay and you go on the lighthouse trail around the edge. The boobies used to nest all over that trail and inland from that trail. Mm-hmm. They were all over the top of the bluff there. There were thousands of them. Wow. Um, now we are down to just a handful of nests. Do we have um, boobies in Grand, the brown-footed boobies in Grand? As no, well? we have no boobies in oh, Grand. Okay. Um, okay. The fossil evidence suggests we used to have big colonies of Audubon's shearwaters here. We used to have all wow. kinds of things here. We don't really know the story about how and where they went extinct, but it wouldn't be surprising if it had something to do with cats. But uh, the bracket is, it is, it's the cats. The cats are attacking not not just the chicks on the nest, but they're even attacking the adults. And we are just seeing the the nesting population fall and fall and fall every successive year. And it's not many years out. If we don't do something about this, the brown boobies will be gone from the brack. If they'd gone from the brack, they'd gone. I don't think they'll ever come back. And that's the other thing, is the timeline we have in terms of trying to stop it and then rehabilitate these populations. What What, what is our time frame? Like a year, two years, five? Um, or do you know? Five would be pushing it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we need to act. We need to act this year coming. Yeah. Really. Um, okay. we're going to make a difference. Right. We have to. But then on Little Cayman, we've got the red-footed boobies, and it used to be the biggest nesting colony of, rest, of red-footed boobies in the Western Hemisphere. It was like the crown, the, the crown jewels of Little Cayman. Oh, and they're right? so cute. Right, um, <laughs> of course. And, uh, and it's the same thing. That, that population used to extend all across the north edge of the booby pond, from west all the way to the east. I went there with... with, um, with Betty Ann Schreiber and a bunch of other, um, you know, experienced mm-hmm. bird people yeah. way back in those days to, to try and get an idea of how many nesting boobies there were there. And we were running transects through nesting boobies right at the east end of the pond, right at the west end of the pond and all points in between. Half of that was gone. 
So you got to see that, though. That's... Yeah, but half of it is gone. I know. I've way. never seen anything like that in my life. I don't, and I hope I want to. So. Well, you you better grab your opportunity and go right now. Came in right now, they're nesting still. Oh my gosh. Um, they're building nests right now. Oh wow. So um, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the fact that half of that brooding colony has gone just in the time that that I've been here. That says um, so much. Is really disturbing. Okay. And so... again, we have cats. Feral cats and even people's roaming domestic cats wandering around in that booby colony. They climb trees. It's their jungle gym. It's not a perfect situation, and there is no perfect solution to the situation. What is your plan on, I guess, tackling it? Well, there's no one plan. Right. Uh, there can't be any one plan, really, for a thing like this. <clears throat> we do have a plan for Little Cayman. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we got a grant from the Darwin Foundation, in the, the Darwin in- Initiative, sorry, in the UK. The Darwin Initiative. Okay. Um, and that grant is going to run for the next three years, and it's going to focus quite heavily on the sister isles, and it's going to focus on invasive predators, um, but it's also going to focus on biosecurity, and it's going to focus on what can we actually do on Little Cayman with these feral cats. We're going to do a feasibility analysis to see as objectively and realistically as we can to assess whether we could eradicate feral cats from Little Cayman. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That would require everybody's pet cat to be registered and neutered, and we're nine-tenths of the way there already because Mm -hmm. the human population is small in Little Cayman, and the community, by and large, is very strongly in support of this. It becomes a funding challenge, it becomes a technical challenge, both of which can be overcome. But one of the most difficult things is how do we stop reinvasion? Yes. Um, the yes. Brack's only four miles away. Yeah. And if anybody takes it in their mind to leave Cayman Brack and dump a kitten on uh, <laughs> on Little Cayman after we spent millions of dollars and all those <laughs> man hours, it would be a disaster, right? So we have to figure out how we can prevent that. Um, we have to make sure that it's impossible to bring a fertile cat into Little Cayman. If mm-hmm. we can, if we can sew it up that tight. We could eradicate the cats from Little Cayman. The boobies would recover. The rock iguanas would recover. We haven't even talked about the rock iguanas yet. I know. Um, the rock iguanas on, on Little Cayman are in catastrophic decline. And they're the same thing on the Brack. And the reason is that the, the cats are eating all the babies. So you've got a population of rock iguanas that's getting older and older and older. They're breeding, they're laying their eggs, the eggs are hatching, and then all the young are getting eaten. So there's no recruitment replacing the ageing population. Yeah. So you just have this population that's getting older and older and older and older, and at some point it's just going to collapse. We've looked at this, you know, really quantitatively. The, the team here at the Department of Environment have been out there repeatedly, and you can see the age structure of that iguana population changing from one where there were plenty of young to one where there's hardly any. And it's... It's completely a result of this unsustainable predation by the feral cats. But again, if we can eradicate them from Little Cayman, mm-hmm. the iguana population can recover. Right. Um, and then things start to look a little bit more cheerful. On Grand Cayman, we've got the same kind of problem with the blue iguanas, right? I spent a great deal of my life <laughs> working to try and save the blue iguana. It isn't saved yet, and it's not saved for the same reason. We have these animals we let loose in the Salina Reserve and Colliers, which are getting older, and they're looking great, and they're growing, <laughs> and they're breeding, and you go out there and you think, this is magnificent. But where are the babies? 
and it's the same story all over again. So one of the things we're looking at doing in Grand Cayman is, um, is a much smaller project than what we're talking about mm -hmm. in Little Cayman. We're talking about putting a predator-proof fence around the Botanic Park. We've got funding for that in, this, uh, in the new budget. So the idea will be that the core of the park, everywhere that you don't drive, can be surrounded by a fence which will not allow a dog or a cat or a green iguana to get inside. And one of the interesting things is if a green iguana baby can't get inside, nor can a rat. <laughs> so this could be a rat-proof, cat-proof, oh, dog-proof, green great? iguana proof <laughs> fence, okay? Um, and if we can do that, and if we can get all of those species out of the park, then the park will suddenly become a completely released natural area where all of that alien predation is gone. Uh, the, the original paradise, yeah. Um, so the original paradise can return, yeah. except the species which have gone extinct, of course, because there's a bunch of those. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, because the blue iguanas there within the park presumably will, will explode. And if we can get things under control in terms of the cats, then maybe the entire island, and cats and dogs and everything else, maybe one day the entire island can be rehabilitated to that level and they don't have to live in a, you know... Well, this is, this, is, this is the much bigger picture. Yeah. And I think we could draw some inspiration from New Zealand on this. Um, the, the distinction between a pet cat, what we would call a companion cat, and a feral cat is really blurred at the moment because right. people are in the habit, really, of letting their domestic cats just wander around the place. Right. You know, I see cats in my garden and I don't know, is that my neighbour's cat? Is that a feral cat? <laughs> yeah. There's no way to tell, right? So we've been talking with the Department of Agriculture and the idea is beginning to develop that perhaps domestic cats should all be microchipped and registered so that if you trapped that cat that was wandering through your yard, you could scan it and it would have a pit tag and the pit tag would be linked to some sort of central database. If necessary, um, the Department of Agriculture or whoever was keeping this database could contact the owner and say, oh, you're pet cat is in so-and-so's oh, yard, so -so's what's going on? Get your cat um, back. <laughs> but if, it, if you've got a system like that that's up and running and working, then it becomes possible for the community to get involved in trapping feral cats. Not killing them, because that's a whole different story, right? Of course. But, but, but you could trap a feral cat and take it to a vet for, 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 to, to be put down humanely. This is the other part of this whole situation that gets very controversial because there's a there's a, a revulsion an understandable revulsion from many humans to the idea that mm -hmm. we have to put these animals down of course no matter how humanely you, you do it mm -hmm. and you can do it very humanely it's still something that people have trouble coming to terms with but the reality is there are thousands of feral cats in the wild in these three islands I'm not exaggerating at all. No, um, no, it's a wild... And the world. Humane Society and feline friends and people, they have no capacity to adopt thousands of cats. It cannot be. And we can't leave them out there... Where they are. Where they are, unless we're going to take a very cynical decision mm. about the wildlife on this island and say the cats are more important, let the wildlife die. And that's just not possible. So what do you think... The miscommunication there is between the project and and 
and the public and how they feel about putting cats down. Humanely, of course, but still being put down nonetheless. There are, I think, a substantial number of people on this yes. island, probably a majority, who are completely on board with this idea. Most people I've um, talked to. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not a pleasant conclusion to come to, but it's, it's the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. um, there always will be a, a, a diehard group of people who think that the cats are more important over boobies and blue iguanas. And we talk about boobies and we talk about iguanas. Mm -hmm. But we don't talk about everything else that is dying out there. Right. We don't talk about the vitelline warblers. We don't talk about oh. the Cuban bullfinches. We don't talk about all the little forest birds that are trying to nest out there and getting killed by cats. We don't talk about the lizards. We don't talk about, dare I say, the snakes. We don't talk about the crabs. <laughs> we don't talk about the insects. Yes. These cats are not living easy lives. Mm -hmm. These feral cats are struggling. They're going to catch and eat anything they possibly can. And they're... And the, and the damage is much, much, much wider than these species we've just been talking about. It's through the whole ecosystem. And it's really hard to imagine what is going to happen, for instance, in the park when we take that unsustainable pressure away. It's going to, it's going it's to, going to change. It's going to greatly change. It's, ex it's exciting. So I hope the park can be an inspiration. I hope yeah. it can be an inspiration to trigger change on, on a wider landscape kind of scale. Because people will and should be able to have pet cats, but they need to be kept in such a way that they're not merging into this feral population which is doing all of this damage. It has to be controlled, and I think I've heard it mentioned outside cat playgrounds or, what is it called, catios? <laughs> cat patios? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so I, <laughs> I, I have two pet cats. My, my, yeah. my, my wife and I keep two pet cats. Mm -hmm. They live permanently inside the house. Mm -hmm. Um, they live, as far as I can tell, fulfilled and happy lives. Right. They have unlimited food. They have toys to play with. Love. <laughs> they have each other to play with. Um, they get strokes and cuddles. And um, they never go outside. There's right. no need for that, for these cats to, to live outside. Mm -hmm. Once they go outside, they're at risk. Mm -hmm. They're going to get run over. Mm -hmm. They're going to catch feline leukaemia or they're going to catch feline immunodeficiency virus, they mm -hmm. can get worms. Mm -hmm. The feral cats are diseased. Uh -huh. um, it, right. was a, it was a real shocker to us when we started a, a, a cat removal exercise in Little Cayman in 2018. It was a shock to us um, wow. when the vet did a necropsy on some of these animals to see just how badly they were parasitized. They had tapeworms, they had roundworms. <sighs> Their guts were full of Garbage. They had rubber and cardboard and plastic in their guts because they were raiding people's garbage bins. They're so desperate for food. Yeah. There were also bird remains and there were like lizard remains and reptile remains. Mm -hmm. um, strangely, no rats in the <laughs> remains. Everybody thinks cats eat rats. That's, These cats are not eating rats. That's what the pirates used them for, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, but 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 if your pet cat is interacting with one of those cats, that is the kind of situation they're getting themselves in. It's mm. no surprise that somebody's pet cat dies of some mysterious illness because it's picked it up from a wild Somewhere cat in the neighbourhood. Cats are safer indoors, they're better kept indoors. If you really can't deal with kitty litter inside your house, yeah sure, build a catio, a little cat patio <laughs> and put the kitty litter out there. There are ways to, to, to make it work. Um, I've, I definitely, I've definitely heard from some people the idea of cats in the wild is almost romanticized because people see them as going back to their 
you know what I mean? They're former yes, but predatory, but they're but, they, they, but that wasn't in the Caribbean, and that was there. That was many years before they evolved into a domestic animal, right? Yeah, yeah. it was. It was a whole different ecosystem where where predators do exist. Exactly. Um, the Caribbean, the Caribbean islands, never had these animals. We had, we had other things. We had a we had a thrush here on Grand Cayman, which went extinct. Wow, I didn't know that. Perhaps due to cats, we don't know. Um, we had endemic, unique Cayman shrews and hootiers. Hootiers, what actually? Hootiers, like giant guinea pig type things. Oh, right? wow! They're all extinct. Oh. All got wiped out. Um, and this is the situation we're finding ourselves in right now with the. Yeah, we used to have some pretty exciting stuff here too. There's yeah. crocodiles here and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> I don't think a cat would go after one of those. I think that might go rather the other way. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the change, the changes that we've brought inadvertently, quite apart from the fact that we're changing the landscape for human use, is the changes we brought inadvertently just by bringing dogs and cats and rats to these islands um, yeah. are of orders of magnitude more serious than anybody has any, thinks about in their day-to-day life. So the end goal of this project then would be to have all three islands cat chipped, cats keep stay inside, and to just l- allow our ecosystems to come back, right? Our, our species to come back. I think more realistically, what we can look to is that certain areas can be rendered mm-hmm. free of feral cats. Um, particularly, I think it might be possible in the Sister Isles, certainly Little Cayman, maybe mm-hmm. down the line, even Cayman Brack. Grand Cayman, I think it's probably unlikely that we could ever do that. Mm-hmm. But what we could do if the community was on board and supportive and involved, we could have an island where feral cats and domestic cats were clearly delineated. They don't get mixed up. And that there are ongoing efforts to keep the feral cat population at a much lower level than it is right now. So control rather than eradication. But even even control will, will buy much of our wildlife some time. You know, there's a big difference between um, a dead cert that you're going to get killed by a cat before you get to breed and having a fighting chance. What do you think this murky area of keeping your cats inside, that is kind of your message and not letting them merge is your message? Because it's hard when you're at home and you're hearing all of this stuff and you can't, how do you act? How do you do anything other than listen to a podcast and say, I agree with what you're saying? That's, that's I guess, my question is, so my boyfriend has a cat, what can he do? Okay, so here's a good example. Yeah. Your boyfriend has a cat. Does exactly. The cat, does the cat roam free? Oh, yes, he calls it out in the wild. <laughs> right. So step one is your boyfriend needs education. Um, <laughs> to this understand, isn't UK, actually. To understand, yeah. to understand that out in the wild, yes. the cat isn't. Number one, it's in harm's way. Yep. Like it could get run over tonight. Ooh. Number two, it could pick up diseases from yeah. feral cats, right? Yeah. So those are two concerns. Now, he may be able to vaccinate it against some of these viruses, but he can't vaccinate it against a fast-moving vehicle. That cat is killing every night. Every single night. So it would be better <laughs> to keep the cat indoors. That's that's your polite recommendation. <laughs> keep yeah. your cats indoors. No, I really think I really think it's going to take it's going to take a long time. I think, yeah. but I think that, that, that cultural change over years 
it can become a more normal and generally acceptable practice to keep cats indoors. Um, it's the best thing for the cats, mm -hmm. and it's the best thing by far for our environment. And if we can do this, and if we can just all make ourselves more aware of this, I, I think we can do it. I'm, I'm always optimistic. I think we can do it if we get everybody on our sides and everybody understands exactly that we're going to, it's, it's one or the other, really. It's the cats or it's these beautiful Caymanian species that have been here a heck of a lot longer than we have, and we have no right to take them off the island by keeping our little kitty cats running around and happy, and they're not even happy, most of them probably. So... Yeah, well, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> I'll work myself yes. to the bone to get this uh, to get this situation in Little Cayman sorted out. Yes, I'm and a fence around the Botanic Park. We're behind you for this. We got this. Long term future. It's your generation that's going to have to deal with this. Are you hearing that generation? Are you hearing that? It's our generation. I think we can do it. So we are going to back you up. We're going to do it, and we're going to make everybody happier. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me about this. I hope everybody listening um, got a better understanding of the situation and can maybe do their own thinking about it and think about how they can contribute. If you have a cat, you know, keep them inside. Maybe cat, I don't know, cat jungle gym sales are about to go through the roof. I don't know, but that would be great. So thank you. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you too. I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Fred for lending his time to talk to us about this tricky topic. If you'd like any further information, you can see the show notes from today's episode, or you can go and check out the deep dive into the topic over on our Protecting Paradise website. You can't care if you don't know, so stay curious, and until the next one, toodles! by Bella Rooney, music and sound by James Brake.